Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for your kind response um, in sharing love for those who are here and share ministry. This group, of course, has been here since early 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, they stay through, and they are committed to being able to present to you the songs that God has placed on their heart. And boy, didn't they do an excellent job. I just thought, wow, beautiful. The message of Christ. Uh, tonight, uh, let God lead. It's an important message in our lives in which sometimes we get in God's way. Sometimes we try to tell God uh, by the lack of action what we think ought to happen or should happen, and we get in trouble. But it's important to understand that when you let God lead in the rough places of your life, God will take you through. But listen, you don't want to suffer the consequence of your own choice when God's not leading in that direction. So it's important. Let's plan to be here tonight and uh, ask God, plan to show up at four today and just enjoy the time together. I know that Josh and Brittany's parents, I believe both sets of parents are here. So we want to say, God bless you. Thanks for being here. And uh, so uh, it's wonderful to have you. And let's take a look in Second uh, Kings, the sixth chapter, two Kings, the sixth chapter. And the message today is divine intervention, divine in intervention. Today is my brother and his wife, their uh, anniversary today, wedding anniversary, and so we share love for them. Here's what uh, Roger or Robert Magner said. He said, if you're not sure where you are going, you're liable to end up someplace else. You're not sure where you're going, you're probably going to wind up someplace else. And sometimes everything that you see is not what it really looks like. I'll give you an example. There's a man who, who loved opera, and he, of course, couldn't afford the first level or the second level. He sat on the third level there in the uh, opera house. And there was one uh, singer, she's soprano, and boy, she could belt it out. Beautiful, operatic, and her presentation. And he would sit with his little, you know, binoculars there trying to look down on the stage and loved her voice and loved it. And he found out, of course, that she was not married and and uh, he never noticed that she, that she was quite a few years older than he was. And after a while, it didn't matter. He just loved her voice and felt like, man, that's the woman for me. He didn't notice the limp that she had. And finally, he, uh, he began to make his way over a period of time. And they had what is considered to be a whirlwind romance and then uh, a, a hurry-up wedding because he just loved her so much in his mind, he thought her voice is so good. All, all I have to do is say, sing, baby, and that, that will take us through anything. Well, you know, there's anxious anticipation at the honeymoon. How many remember your honeymoon? That's it. It's good. Six of you do. Uh, but uh, he was watching and, you know, anxious anticipation, getting ready, and she began to make her process of getting ready. And the first thing that he saw is she he, she reached into her, her eye and pulled her glass eyeball out and put it in a liquid form there on the dresser. And he thought, wow, un unbelievable. And uh, pulled off her wig, just ripped it right off. That was indescribable. And then took her false eyelashes off and then 
took her dentures out and laid them on the cabinet there in a little little cup. And he's just looking and thinking, wow. Then she unstrapped her artificial leg and um, laid it there on the, on the counter and then uh, took her glasses off the final time to reveal the hearing aid that was hid in her ear and really something. And he looked at her and he thought, wow, uh, unbelievable. Then he just said out loud, hey, sing, lady, sing, sing. So everything is, everything is not like you see it. Sometimes it's sing, lady, sing. How many of you had a honeymoon like that? May I see your hand? All right, nobody in the house. Well, you see, our text is an amazing story. Every scripture in the Bible is an amazing story. And this one today is going to teach us one great prophet. His name was Elisha, who learned from Elijah about the power of God's divine intervention. We know that sometimes our story deals with the fact how people can change. And sometimes we see God's amazing grace as it takes place. And and then we see, and we should see in our own lives, the manifestation of the supernatural. I mentioned a moment ago, Elisha. Elisha was the one mentored by Elijah. He asked for a double portion of God's power. And when the mantle of Elijah fell upon Elisha, he got that. He performed twice the miracles of his mentor, Elijah. He created his own school of prophets, and he had hundreds and hundreds of individuals following him because he walked under the anointing and believed that God could do just about anything. Well, it got to the place that his ministry began to grow. They needed a larger facility, etc. And one of the young prophets that had joined his school actually had an accident, and his axe head broke off the axe handle and went into the water. So we find that in 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, verse number 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried, Oh, my Lord. He cried, It was borrowed. Elisha heard him, Oh, my Lord. It was borrowed. Immediately, <coughs> depression and discouragement set in. Francis Peake said, and I'll share it with you, the major cause of discouragement is a temporary loss of perspective. Restore proper perspective and you take new heart. Oh, can you imagine how many times you and I have been doing great, we're on top of the mountain, everything is cool, the bills are being paid and we feel the passion of Jesus Christ in our hearts and something comes along and we find out we don't have enough money and a surprise bill. We find out, wow, some difficulty hits us, physical sickness, and you think, boy, I'm all alone over here on an island. You begin to look at other people and say, they don't have to go through what we are going through. And before you know it, discouragement sets in, following that up by anxiety, following that up by a little bit of depression. And the reason that that happens is we lose perspective. We lose perspective as to who we are, a child of God. We lose perspective that God's divine plan says he'll always be with us. We lose perspective that nothing happens in our life without the knowledge of Almighty God. So Elisha's school is growing, and they needed the room. The young prophets are said, we'll cut the timber down in order to build a larger facility They were absolutely, because they were in training under Elisha's ministry, they were following God absolute to the T. No pulling, no punches, doing everything. They're fasting and they're praying. Why, by the way, they left their own families. They quit their jobs in order to be trained for ministry. And this young man, buddy, he's cutting with vigor. 
He's cutting with passion, chopping. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the axe handle broke, and the axe head lost its mooring on the axe handle and into the water. They're doing the will of God. They're living by the Word. They're being faithful. They're moving forward in faith. Out of nowhere, it feels like what happened to me. I'm suspended in midair. It's like, God, I can't touch ground, and I feel like I can't touch heaven. And it seems like you're not answering. It seems like to me that I'm going through a death situation. It appears to me, God, I thought I had everything right in a row. I thought I knew the will of God. I got way out here. I got out of the boat and started to walk. And now you pull the rug right out from under me. What's up with this? God, we have been faithful. We answered the call. We moved here. We moved there. And now I feel suspended. And you cry out in desperation. You cry out in fear. You cry out in surprise, in anxiousness and, and bewilderment. And here's the question, what do I do now? God, what do I do now? Look at all the people that I've witnessed to, all the individuals that I've led spiritually. They're watching me, but please tell me, what do I do now? When life's disappointments hands you a, a bunch of sour cucumbers, what do I do now, God? How do I, how do I reconcile this with my kids? How do I reconcile this with my family? These young prophets trusting God, working for God, left their home. They poor. They had nothing nothing. And he says, oh, and by the way, my axe head is barred. The axe head is barred. It's in muddy water. Well, the other young prophets must have looked at him and thought, buddy, you're in big trouble now. Fear began to move rampantly through that group of young prophets. It's like, God, you're the one. You had no power. He was working hard. If Satan can have the upper hand, he'll do it in all previous efforts for God. God, it's futile now. I have an axe head that I barred, and, and there it is. I don't know what to do. It was as if they were doomed now with no hope, no matter what they'd learned, how many schools they'd been into, no matter what Elisha taught. This is the moment of reckoning for what happened to one possibly could happen to the other. God, what now? I've been there. You've been there. Often when that happens to you, here's a good suggestion to you. It's, listen, God, just I want to be still. I need to gather myself together. When you lose perspective, you doubt God. When you lose perspective, things get into your heart that shouldn't be there. Sometimes you allow doubt and bitterness and anxiety. Sometimes you allow hate to get in there. Sometimes you allow compromise to get in there. Sometimes you give up too soon. See, when you lose that perspective, it's as if the devil is dictating to you how life is going to be. But you get back to perspective. You get your focus on Almighty God, and things begin to shape up again. Here's number two. Remember what you know. Say that with me. Remember what you know. Remember what you know. Stay calm. 2 Kings 6, verse 6, in the very first part, the man of God asked, and Elisha was there. Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. You see, Elisha could have said, you dummy, why were you cutting so close to the river? Why didn't you check that axe handle? It's been beaten up before, already splintered. What's wrong with you? What Elijah did, he walked over and said, where did it fall? 
The others must have looked at one another and said, what difference does it make? You can't see it. It's in muddy water. And you're asking, where did it fall? You know, an amazing story. Let me tell you about leadership. Let me tell you about Christianity and Christian leaders. A great leader in any field doesn't panic under pressure and spread shockwave through his people. And the tougher the going gets, the calmer that leader becomes and the more determined to find a sensible answer to the situation that's there. Great leaders always happens to remember that there is a solution to every problem. Great Christian believers say, it may not look good now, but it's going to look better tomorrow. Great Christian leaders, people of faith say, I got to tell you, it seems like the tide is turned now, but the last time I checked, the tide comes in and the tide goes out. Hallelujah. And it's done that since the beginning of time. Individuals don't panic. It's like the winner. Let me feed this to you. The winner's always part of an answer. The loser's always part of a problem. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, my Lord, losers. There they are right there. Put that up and bold it out to me. Let me see you do that. Come on, everybody. That's the loser sign. Turn to your neighbor and just give them one, okay? <laughs> That's right. Doesn't mean you're a loser. Here's something else. The winner always has a program or a plan, and the loser always had an excuse. The winner says, let me do it for you. The loser says, that ain't my job. I'm not doing it. The winner sees an answer to every problem, but the loser sees a problem to every answer. The winner seeks a green near every sand trap for you golfers. Don't forget the British Open on this afternoon. It'll end before church, by the way, so don't call up and say, oh, I was watching the British Open. Why well, I didn't make church? And I know that stops at about 3.30 or 4. The winner sees a green near every sand trap, but the loser sees two or three sand traps to every green. But the winner says it may be difficult, but it's possible. The loser said it may be possible, but it is too difficult. You got problems? I got problems? Everybody's got problems. Some days we're all losers. Some days we're all hypocrites. Hello? But that doesn't define who we are because we are washed in and under the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we choose to say, I'm no loser on that deal, I'm a winner because there's royal blood that flows through my veins. I'm changing perspective here and get the job done. Well, David Ring. He spoke here. David Ring lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a Baptist individual, great preacher. But let me tell you a story. David Ring was born dead. But because of the quick response of the medical personnel, they got him breathing. But minutes and minutes and minutes had passed. And his brain was deprived of oxygen. As a result of that, he had speech impediments because of cerebral palsy. His hands are gnarled. He walks with a limp because of the cerebral palsy. Sometimes it's hard to understand him talk because of the cerebral palsy. At 14 years of age, David Ring, his father was a minister. His mother died with cancer. He went into depression because he thought, my mama is the only one that ever loved me. She loved me just like I am. I, she never looked at me funny like everybody else looked at me. But my mama died at 14. He dropped out of school. He hit deep depression tried to commit suicide several times to end his life. My life will never be anything. Those around him, the other family members said, David will never drive. David will never get, he's not to be able to go to school and get a degree. He'll never marry. He'll never have children. 
He'll always be, always have impediments. He'll always be a, 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 a burden on society in general. But David, of course, had a sister that one day decided to take him to church. After his rebellion and one of the times of depression, committing suicide, he went. And listen to me carefully. The Holy Spirit of God, the supernatural conviction of Jesus Christ with redemptive powers spoke to David Ring's heart in that body that he had that is crippled and broken and revealed his love and his power to David Ring. And David said, that day I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. But he said, here's what I also got. I had no one to lean on other than God who just transformed my life. My desire to commit suicide left. My desire to have a pity party left. And I began to look at myself. God, you have gifted me with something special. He often will say, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? In his speeches. He speaks 250 times a year in motivational speeches. He has four children. He has a wife. He drives. He travels. He does all of that. And he said, it's because of God's grace in my life. He said, here's what I did. I had to change perspective. I had to look at God and say, now what? God didn't create me by accident. And what happened to me did not happen by accident. God gifted me with an opportunity and says, now do something with it. And he's won tens of thousands of people to Jesus Christ because of the grace and the power and the anointing of God. How many times do I see people that I pastored when they hit a rough patch? When they hit a rough patch, they quit the church. They hit a rough patch. They talk about what the church didn't do for them. They hit a rough patch. They leave their spouse. They hit a rough patch. They get angry to the world. They hit a rough patch. They start drinking. They hit a rough patch. They get mad at the world. And my friend, when that happens, God stands by and says, don't forget what you know by the power and the grace of God. When you hit a rough patch, remember that God did not allow it to happen to give you an excuse. He allowed it to happen for you to stand up and say, by the grace of God, I will make the best of what it is that I'm facing for God's honor and God's glory. Rough patch. You know how hard it is to try to preach with these crazy things on? $9.95 at Walmart. Right here. And that eye lens in the back of my eyes floating around. I can see it back there. But it's going to go the last day of this month. I'm going to be put under the gas. They're going to go in and fish that lens out and put a new one in the front of my eye. And Lord willing, I'll be able to see again out of my reading eye. You pray for me. Would you do that? David Ring. His story is unbelievable story. He took responsibility for his life. One of his uh, statements is this, and he has T-shirts. Don't ask God why. Ask God what. What do you want me to do with me? Here's what I know. The devil never tries to stop dead or dormant people. He always goes after the vibrant. He never attacks the slothful. He always goes after the aggressor. He never goes after the discouraged, only the encouraged. He never goes after the unbelieving. He goes after the believing. He doesn't go to the unfaithful. He goes for the faithful. He doesn't go for the wimp, only the winner. 
who has a vision to conquer. So if you want to know why you're walking through the valley or whatever it is, remember, God's vested a whole lot of interest in you and said, I'm watching what happens. Be careful that you don't do your hands. Be careful that you don't allow the enemy to take take an opportunity to win in your situation. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome because the one who is in you is greater than that individual that's in the world. So here's what we know. We come in the name of the Lord. God, I can't fight battles, but I come in the name of the Lord. Where did I learn that from? Out of David's testimony in 1 Samuel 17. I don't come with a fist. I don't come with a 44. I don't come with a sword. I come in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Somebody say amen. Amen. My weapon, my weapon is not carnal. It's not like I'm going to just take a knife and cut you. I have a divine power that demolishes the strongholds. I can speak the name of Jesus and the devil will shake. We're overcomers by the word of my testimony. God, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I've lost my way. I can't think straight anymore. That's not your testimony. Your testimony is, God, you took me through that a long time ago, and you're going to take me through again. If Daniel and that line den can come out, I know that I can. If the Hebrew boys can come out, I know that I can. God, you blessed and ministered and met every need. In the first service today was a whole row in that second row of a family that I ministered to for a number of years. I got a text from them about three weeks ago. <coughs> they said, one of the grandbabies, they're not here all the time, a lot of the time. Grandbaby is sick in the hospital and don't know what to do. Pastor Blackburn, please. I've reached out to them when some of their family members have faced death. Baby looked to be a year old, was here this morning in the service. I spoke to them. We got people there to visit with them. I continually encouraged them. Now, here's what I could have packed up. I thought, God, I don't want to waste time. The people's not consistent in church. I don't want to waste time with individuals you know that really is not contributing in some way back to the ministry to help it happen. No, I looked at that. I thought, God, what an opportunity. After all those prayers, you have served up a beautiful opportunity. And I said, I said to them in faith, God's going to touch your baby. God's going to heal you, baby. God's going to give you favor. God's going to give somebody. You could have said, well, why are you lying? Why should God do that? Well, why should God ever touch you? Because here's the deal. All of us are a bunch of hypocrites once in a while. All of us are unfaithful once in a while. None of us deserve God's grace. None of us deserve God's favor. And what does he keep doing? He said, because I love you, I give you grace. I give you mercy. I give you favor. I give you divine intervention. Hallelujah. And wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it that God walked in that room out of nowhere and touched that baby in a matter of days? That baby went home. He was alive and in the second service today, and the whole family was in a row. I said, thank you, Jesus. You know what you're doing. Listen to me, friend. You and I, you and I are born. We are born to carry this good news out. We're overcomers by the word of our testimony, protected by the armor of God. And not only this, the Lord fights for us. How many of you love a good scrap once in a while? Okay, let me rephrase that. (laughs) When you're in school, you ever notice people get in a fight, especially two girls? You get two girls fighting. Why is it everybody down the hallway 
Two girls fighting down there. You know what we all did? Ran to the scene of the crime. Because we all like to see a good scrap. It's one of the reasons I watch cops. <laughs> now I watch a dash cam, USA. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I kind of think this little bit of yard talk, y'all. I think, I think God likes to watch a good scrap once in a while. I think God likes to set you up and say, there's your enemy right there. Now, son, I'm going to breathe my anointing on you. you you're, you're covered in the blood. You, you don't fight with your own ingenuity. I'm going to anoint you supernaturally. Go out there and take him down. Amen? Put the headlock on him. How many knows what a good headlock is? Put the, put the circle seven on him. That's got to be a calling wrestling back there, isn't it? Circle seven or something like that. I think circle seven would be like that seven times. Amen. You might hit them once in a while. But you know what? God's in the business saying, you know what? There are going to be some battles you are going to have to fight. But if you're willing to make the commitment, the minute you make the commitment to fight, I'll step in the ring. Hallelujah. They won't see me. They'll wonder where that sucker punch came from. It wasn't you. It was by the Holy Spirit. May I tell you something? The devil needs a good whip in these days, and the church is getting weaker. We need to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus Christ. We win by the authority of God's Word. Amen. Josh, you can take this message sometime up there and preach it right. You see, the enemy will cause us to focus on the problem, on the barrier, on the failure, on the disappointment. Elisha's presence, unlike this young prophet, Elisha's presence represented Jehovah God. Remember who you know. Remember what you know. And finally, what goes down must come up. I can prove it. Two Kings, the sixth chapter, the sixth verse, the latter part. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Now, I know in the natural, it's what goes up. Come on now. What goes up must come down. But not in God's case. Hey, boys, what goes down must come up. Amen. Where did it land? Right there. He took a stick and threw it right where it landed. And all of a sudden, supernaturally, the axe head. If Gomer Powell had been there, he says, Shazam. Look at that. Amazing. I have a feeling. Some of you in this room this morning need an axe head to come to the top. 
And let me tell you what. Elisha could have responded, you dummy. Why were you chopping so close to the water? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Why didn't you check the axe handle? It's already splintered when you got it, and it's borrowed. And you didn't take any duct, duct tape and tape around the handle where the axe head connects, and you just carelessly did it. I cannot believe if you want to be one of my prophets, you're going to have to be smarter than that. So that's, that's the deal that he could have taken, complain and murmur. But what good would that do to that young prophet who's already shaken in his boots? He walked over, put his arm on his shoulder and said, son, where did it fall in? All you other prophets, get ready. What you're about to see is the difference between the natural that says that axe head is heavier than the water, so it's got to hit bottom, and the supernatural, that when the supernatural is performed, that axe head has got to come up. Amen. Son, reach over there and get a hold of it. Oh, hallelujah. I believe there's some people that are going to be healed by the power of God in the next several weeks because the axe head is going to come to top. I believe some marriages are going to be smoothed out because the axe head still can come to the top. I'm grateful that Elisha did not walk away and said, y'all deal with it. I'm glad he walked up and said, let me deal with it. I'm glad that Jesus in our own stupidity sometimes doesn't tell us all the ways that we do wrong, that he walks up, puts his arm around around us and said just keep praying it's just around the corner I can move in my power and my anointing and do things that you thought was never possible I can put calendars together I can put circumstances together I can sell a house in short order I can open a door where somebody else has closed the door when it's my divine will if you're ready to see the axe head come to top you'll begin to see miracle after miracle and blessing after blessing begin to flow you'll get out of your apathy and you'll crank up with passion and fire that's the power of God working for us we believe that with all of our heart you ain't seen nothing yet show me where it fell you don't need to try to tell the widow's young son when Elijah was there oh he's dead Elijah said well let me take care of that he placed his body over him and the young son came to life. Don't try to tell Lazarus that when he heard the words come forth that death can keep him in the grave. Don't try to tell Jairus' daughter who was dead and Jesus said, oh no, she, she's not dead. She's only asleep. Hallelujah. Don't try to tell Dorcas who was dead when Peter prayed and said, arise. Dorcas had to come to life again. What I'm suggesting to you in this modern culture today when it seems like people are stepping away from commitment of God and stepping away from the church and stepping away commitment that God has said don't lose your hope don't lose your faith don't lose your anointing draw close to me I'll draw nigh to you and what you're going to see is a life that is unbelievable that is supernatural that is unbelievable uh, beyond your greatest expectation God will move in our behalf you need to help me preach Somebody asked me yesterday afternoon, well, it's going to be a month of Sundays. You're not going to be in the pulpit again? I said, no, I'm going to be up there tomorrow. I was there Wednesday. I'm going to be up there tomorrow. It's the only time I've ever taken two Sundays in many, many years ever. But can I tell you something? I have an expectancy in you that I believe 
that some of you, the axe head has fallen, that God is going to speak the word and just throw the anointing of his Holy Spirit your way. And if you believe it, you're going to have your own shazam. Unbelievable. If he did it once, he can do what? He can do it again. So I'm saying to you, get ready. What do you see? What do you see? I see an axe head. Do you see Jesus still on the cross? Or do you see an empty tomb? God's ability and power. I'm done. Would you stand to your feet? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. I want you to believe God. If God has resonated in your spirit this message, I want you to pay attention to it. If you become crusty and filled with apathy and almost given up hope, oh, you'd never say it. But your behavior stinks with unbelief. Be on fire for Jesus. Find you an altar. Get into prayer. Don't let a circumstance have to hit you to drive you to knees. Get in there. Begin to see what God will do. God is on the cusp of doing some great things in your life and family. Don't give up because he hasn't moved in this area you've been praying for. Readdress it in Jesus' name. Readdress it. Call on the name of the Lord. If you're not right with Jesus and you've been dancing around the tulips, you've been dabbling in everything under the sun that doesn't bring God any glory, get your act together. That's plain old yard talk. Amen? I'm not, we don't patronize people when you know that you know that you know. Hey, get it right. Let's do that. I didn't come today to say, well, I have a presentation. I came with a message that's burning in my heart, that's anointed of God, that speaks to you and says, devil, you don't have a place anywhere around here in Jesus' name. We didn't come to play games with you. We came to tell you where you can go. So let's bow our heads. Some of you may not be right. Some of you online. God's speaking directly to you. So let's repeat this prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. me. I have failed. I have have sinned. sinned. I've made a mess of things. And I need deliverance. I need redemption. I need renewal. And I need faith. So here's my heart. Here's my life. I am sorry for not trusting you. I am sorry for complaining. I'm sorry for wallowing in the pit of pity. I'm climbing out in the name of Jesus. I believe an axe head is about to rise in my business, in my family, and in my personal life. So I give you the glory and you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you prayed that prayer. Don't be ashamed. We're going to open the altars up. And here's something the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about. He did the first service. If you've got a kid, and if it's his own grandkid, that is misbehaving, stubborn, 
angry, deaf, because they won't listen. I'm asking you, that axe head needs to come to life. And as Jesus threw the stick in the water, bring the stick in the water, put it in there. They had to see something. It wasn't that Elisha could not speak and see axe head come forward. The young prophets had to see something that related to a natural process. Put the stick in the water. Wow. You bring that down this morning. You bring that person, that request, that need. Do not be ashamed. You do not know what's going on with your child or your grandchild right now. And right now may be the moment of your action that God begins to stir their heart wherever they are. So as we sing this song, whatever your need is, I'll give the benediction in a moment. You come right here, right now. Shall we do that? Some of you church leaders help us. Small group leaders and your staff, come on down. Help us. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep praying, everybody. Put your hands in this direction. Eventually, someone will get to you here in the altar. Let's just pray. Father, in your name, we extend our hands toward this group here. In the name of the Lord, this is where the action is. This is where the miracle happens. It's out of acts of obedience, acts of anointing, acts in the name of the Lord, of the divine, divine touch of Almighty God. Lord, we lift you up and we thank you because we know you do not fail. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the precious name of Jesus, we ask you by the divine authority of the Holy Spirit that you meet every need of every family. We in Jesus' name claim their miracle. We claim the touch of God. We claim the anointing of Jesus Christ. There is none like you. Let it be so. Let it happen in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're going to continue in case there's somebody else that needs to come down. Stay here in the altar, everybody, till you get prayed for. Thank you, Jesus.
tonight, let the Lord lead. I pray you'll make uh, room for a visitation to church tonight. About an hour and 15 minutes, we're going to pray. But you're going to hear a message that will revolutionize your life and the fellowship of the saints of God. Father God, I thank you for every member of our congregation. Pray you for the extended family and every person online. Let there be a divine unction of your spirit. God, reveal this week to some of these people, reveal to them an ax head that comes to the top. Let them know immediately that that was the spoken word over them. And because of their obedient behavior, it came to pass. So we claim it in Jesus' name. And then we pray, Lord, for unsaved people and family members that are lost. We pray that we'll be evangelists, that we'll reach them and touch them and bring them to the church, that we'll not let them remain the way they are, that we'll stir them, we'll nudge them toward church, which bringing them toward you, Jesus. Let it be so, and we give you the praise and the honor. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to be in the hospitality suite right off the lobby. Love to meet you. God bless you. I love you, everybody.